Hey, Parasuiters, we'd love to meet you in person. Go to our website at parasuit.com and hit Power Sessions. This is our month-long transformative leadership program specifically designed for women. We're currently across major cities in New Zealand and we're coming to Australia. So get yourself on a wait list. Give us a shout of where you want us to land and we want to see you there. Welcome to Power Up, the podcast that uncovers the unique challenges women leaders face today. Join your hosts, Nat and Kristen, as we dive into the tough topics and provide actionable insights you can apply right now. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Hello, welcome. We're Nat and Kristen, and today we want to explore the importance of recharging that we're tired and Christmas rush is coming. I'm tired. Are you? I'm tired. Well, I've I've had that stupid cold and you know when the cough lasts forever and it just wears you down and you just, and I moved all weekend, beds and half my belongings throughout half my belongings. So I just feel like tired. Yeah. Like, uh, and it's a Monday. I know. Shocking. We record this on a Monday. (laughs) The, what is it called? The magic of show business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and really the uh, the glamorous um, behind the scenes uh, on a on a gloomy Monday in Wellington. One uh, person who's nailed relaxing is Juno, who's lying next to us. Juno yeah. is the dog. I'm Natalie, the one with the New Zealand accent, by the way. Yes. <laughs> For any newbies, welcome, welcome. We hope you're walking. Welcome, love walking. welcome. Yeah, so we thought this week we would chat about how successful women recognize the importance of downtime and how to claim yours. Yes. Mm. I think what, what we wrote an article about this really early on, that concept of busyness has become a real, somewhat of a badge of honor, but somewhat the success measure of like how busy you are. And to the point that you'll often pass people. And I used to, I remember this when we left Hatch and people would be like, how are you busy? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> and whereas actually maybe we should consider busyness not being the measure of success and actually um, having a balanced life or results and how important downtime is for achieving results or working at your optimal level. Yeah. And not answering with busy. It's, it's a default. It's like how we say I'm fine or I'm okay mm. and we don't actually even mean it anymore. It's yeah. become sort of part of the language. Yeah. And for women, it is kind of an interesting thing, busyness or or not having any downtime because there's probably... A whole heap of reasons behind it and we're in very different situations at home you have teenage children who are very busy mm. studying for exams I don't do we start by how do you get downtime do you take it do you take enough I do take what I've done is I've had to get clear on what makes me happy and there's some seasons where I can do the more enjoyable things and there's some seasons where I combine responsibilities with something I enjoy and a perfect example of that is I used to love surfing and I used to surf a lot and that was how I recharged in my downtime however then I went and got a dog and I've actually realized <laughs> that the dog is enjoyable because it sounds like you got a job but you got a dog no, I got a dog <laughs> forget jobs I got a dog and now I have to combine walking in the bush with walking my dog because mm. it's a responsibility I took on and I do get joy from having a dog and I'm sure there's are there are a million studies that reflect 
dogs are good for mental well-being and health and they just love you unconditionally unlike teenagers and so I have combined responsibility and recharge which is in the bush so I feel <laughs> sad that I can only surf maybe once every two weeks but that was my choice. I took on additional responsibility and yeah. <laughs> I was there when Kristen promised her husband that she would do everything for the dog. And I I, do I did a watch lot. him build the fence for the dog. <laughs> yes. And I no, do but a lot. That's kinda nice. I like that. That's almost like forced relaxation when you've got something like that, a responsibility where you actually have to do it. And my version of that now is probably having a calendar invite with my friend to work, walk twice a week and we put it in our calendars and I'm responsible to her mm. in a way. I mean, like I can inflate that in my brain because I'm sure she wouldn't mind if I didn't turn up, but that creates a, I'm going to do it rather than just a thing that I don't. It's a commitment. And they say that with exercising is to have a, a buddy or a partner mm. to do that with because you're holding one another to account and you know, you both enjoy it. I also think the other thing we have to be careful with when we talk about relaxing or downtime is you don't have to pick up a productive activity. Like exercise is great. And I think both of us benefit a lot out of it. And I would benefit from a bit more based on the dresses I threw out in the weekend that <laughs> no longer fit. Um, but actually giving yourself permission to have total downtime, like unproductive downtime. For my girlfriend, that's well, it's kind of productive. She loves cooking. I love DIY, like nothing better for me than painting a wall and listening to a podcast or actually just watching Netflix. I was like, just going to say those both sounded like productive. I know. I was going to say I'm so productive. Where, like, whereas I, I will binge on Netflix and currently oh. watching Lupin, which is enjoyable or Lupin. I'm not sure how you say it, but that's enjoyable. And I have no guilt with needing to do that every once in a while. No, I mean, I don't even do it once in a while. I do it all the time. <laughs> but I do once in a while, we'll do like a movie marathon or something yep. where you get the blankets and the popcorn and you just spend half a day or a full day watching the West Wing reruns <laughs> or whatever it is that is not it's turned it into a sort of activity that you it's like pure luxurious downtime yeah and yeah. we don't do that very well, much we don't and so I thought we would chat today Nat about the current landscape what's going on the guilt associated with it all and then the importance of it and then we are going to share some tips. It took me a long time to not feel guilty about relaxing. Yeah. I, I feel like I had to really train myself and we were just talking about it before this of that kind of work hard mindset that we grew up with that really is so deeply ingrained that it makes downtime feel I don't know, is it that we are weak and we can't manage everything? I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, I was reading a couple things this morning. One, this idea of societal conditioning and that we have to be constantly productive and industrious. And if we're not taking care of kids, of partners or uh, our parents or, you know, something, the animals, the house, the whatever. You're useless. Um, yeah, exactly. So there's this weird thing there. But there's a thing called superwoman complex. And even I know when I sit on panels, I often get this question how do you do it all? You know, how do you, uh, how do you do the family and the this and the that? There's even questioning we get of people assuming that I'm doing all these things perfectly. Maybe because I look amazing and I look like I'm doing everything well. I can tell um, you all that we look amazing today. We're both very glamorous. <laughs> We're not. However, there is this 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 uh, perception we might give off that we are, and therefore the, these questions that we get 
sets an expectation that we should be able to do it all and do it all perfectly. But this, I liked this superwoman complex. It says, feeling an obligation to present an image of strength, feeling an obligation to suppress emotions, resistance to being vulnerable. And so therefore, you know, we see this at power sessions quite a bit. A, a day where women get to actually share what is going on in their lives and they're shocked when they're not going through these things alone and they're able to be vulnerable. Mm. And then finally it ends on a drive to succeed despite limited resources and feeling an obligation to help others. That is so huge. The, the, you know, someone will have a baby and we need to cook a bunch of things. We need to bake a pie for the new neighbor up the street. There's this real obligation, the superwoman complex that we take on. I'm not suggesting we should be selfish, but maybe we should be a little bit more selfish. Well, we've talked about it a little bit with that idea of problem solving that we take on everyone else's problems. Mm. There is, I think there's always a continuum. At one end is the social pressure and at the other end is the pressure we put on ourselves. And I think we can all probably be a bit guilty of wanting to be the superwoman and to be the person who can pick everything up and do everything and look glamorous doing it. But at the other end, there is the social pressure. And I obviously, like I said, don't have kids. But one thing my friends and I have noticed as single women or largely, you know, independent women with no children is we get asked to do a lot more. And there's actually yes. research around that. At, um, at workplaces that women without children are expected to be much more productive than everyone else because you don't have children to go home yes. to and a f friend of mine and I had a conversation a while ago where she found herself like constantly it was almost expected that she would have more time than everyone else and therefore she should be the one to do the organizing or turn up at the house and she had this realization of like no I'm gonna say no to that stuff mm. because even if I don't have something on that, I don't have to have an excuse. I can just say, I don't want to do that because I've structured my life in a way that I do have downtime. And yeah. I thought that was a really interesting, how we actually had to work through it to get to that point. That's great. I'm sure there are stats. And I love that you did that because we have this, what's the opposite of artificial? We have a, a boundary, sorry, we have a time that we need to leave to do X, Y, Z sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have uh, a strict. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're needing to create what are, it's not even artificial ones, just for no, lack you just, of. A, you don't have to have something on to correct. protect your time. Yes. I think was a big lesson for yeah, us. That's correct. But in terms of, because I'm sure there is research that supports that, Nat, I have no doubt. And I'm, I'm don't worry, I'll find it. Yeah, great, it <laughs> great. But it's interesting. We we saw a lot of research over COVID that there was massive women. What did they call it? The great great exit or oh, what? The was great resignation. The great resignation, and that was largely. Came <laughs> you can tell we're tired. We're like, what are words? <laughs> <laughs> what are words? Like Matt last week. What is time? <laughs> getting to the big topics here. <laughs> what are words? But McKinsey showed that women were leaving senior levels at all-time highs and COVID, no doubt, was a real pressure cooker for a number of these women who had big responsibilities at work and expectations on to carry on to continue to deliver great outcomes. Yet, we were tasked with the majority of the house care, the child care, child education, and all of these additional, and then the emotional needs of our team members and these additional tasks associated with the COVID pandemic. So it was yeah. a really exhausting time for women. And I think it got really compounded by the fact that actually you're going through a global pandemic. So in real life, I think we'd all adapted to different roles, often mm. gender roles. And then suddenly when you're all in a house together, locked down, more stuff needs to happen. And all of that, 
yeah. seem to largely fall on women in general, obviously. Hashtag yeah. not all. But that was quite interesting that it was sort of, rather than sort of a gradual way that we adapt to those situations, it was all at once and it just became mm. so obvious yeah. to so many women yeah. the imbalance of how much they took on and the sheer load that yeah. they took on. Have we actually recovered from that? Question mark. I'm not sure. But a couple studies since COVID shows that women historically take less time for ourselves. A recent study in the UK showed that a thousand women, only one in five, said they committed time to their own pleasure. Therefore, four out of five, 80% of women took no time. Those that did take time reserved just 30 minutes a week for mm. me time where they indulged in something alone that they enjoy. Conversely, the Wall Street Journal done some research with Pew Research and they found that even in marriages where women bring in similar incomes to their husband, men spend about three and a half hours more a week on leisure activities. And I can already guess what that is. On Saturdays, when you see the hordes of men around on their bikes, I just think, where are all their wives? Also, that's very good for longevity, apparently. Good health. Hey, I'm not dissing it, but I also know, I just hope that the women are getting the afternoon off while the men are golfing in the morning and out on their bikes, because I know what happens Saturday mornings in New Zealand, and it is kids' sports. Oh, yeah. Don't drive on Saturday morning. But I think that goes back to that continuum of, like, I know a lot of people who've had children and quite young children mm -hmm. and the husband will often go away for a weekend or take a night off or go out for the night and that's absolutely fine 100%. like I think it's great but the women don't and they don't ask to either or they don't create an opportunity to do it so on the one hand we have the sort of gendered norms and on the other hand I'm often like and I've said this to a few people well, your partner's gone on three nights away. How many have you had? Zero. Well, you're on three. Like, yeah. you can... And they're not going to be annoyed with you. For yeah. Like, they ex they're also not going to arrange it for you. You kind of have to make your own opportunities sometimes. And I know it's not always as simple as that. But it is... If, if you are noticing your partner is able to take a couple of hours a week for themselves, you can have a conversation and go, how do we make this in a way that... I can take the same time as you on different days. How do we work it so we both get downtime? Absolutely. Yeah. And actually you're allowed to. Yeah, I agree. The risks of not taking downtime before we move into some real actionable and practical tips of what we've learned. Uh, we saw this actually a lot going through Hatch in the pandemic is uh, well-being suffered, mental health suffered. Uh, people felt, you know, really overwhelmed at that time. And we had to put in a lot of actions and have mental um, health days and some people had to take time off and that that was just a natural part of the workplace and I think now with economic downturn and the stress about well all sorts of things at the moment if you're reading the news right now it's not a really happy world at the moment starting to see physical manifestations of our stress and worries and Ugh, it's not yeah. helping us at work no and I think it's that a compounding thing again of there is some something in us and, and maybe it's generational mm. that makes us feel like we have to show we can take it all on and never take a break but what I've noticed and I don't know if anyone else has seen it too people who don't take small breaks regularly end up needing to take a big one yeah and so you actually aren't creating any extra time if you are working weekends if you're working late night don't think you're going to be able to maintain that forever and even if you can maintain it forever in terms of bums on seat time, 
your productivity is going to drop and drop and drop. So you're actually creating artificial gains. They're not, you're actually not achieving anything more over the long term. You're just burning yourself out. Well, and it's so interesting. I've read, I, I don't know why I get attracted to some of these clickbaity articles. <laughs> well, I know. Because they're clickbaity. Because <laughs> they're clickbaity. That's right. Psychology. Or you see these uh, news articles of people leaving the big cities um, to go find, to go work in the country and to go start their orchards. Or, And I have heard of, a number of stories of women getting out of the rat race and to become yoga instructors and everything. And I just, I guess I just question what was that rat race like for them, mm. you know, and how could we actually create a really meaningful, because we want women at the table, not all women going to, you know, check out, out. and leave. And yeah. so what would it look like if we were to create a really balanced and uh, a balanced workplace where it was okay to work really effectively during work times and set realistic goals and manage everyone's workloads and and well and support well-being what would that look like so we could have really meaningful careers and a voice in the corporate world i so agree and i think that we talked a little bit before about not needing to have something locked in to be able to say no to things and to be able to protect your time and i think the reverse is also true I think sometimes we forget to set boundaries around how long we work for. So if you say I'm working eight hours a day or seven hours a day, whatever amount you've got to dedicate to work in the day, that is your boundary around it. And yeah. I think it gets easier and easier to go, oh, I'll work a couple of hours later or I'll let work slip into the weekend. And then that becomes a habit. And there is a whole raft of evidence and research around there are, most of us are able to work six hours a day max like that is the maximum amount of brain time we can spend so if you extend that to 12 hours a day you're still only getting six hours of work done you're just stretching it out over yeah. 12 hours yeah and you're draining yourself and we all know what it's like when you're sitting in front of the computer screen going oh i'm staring at a blank screen and blankly at the screen and it's not helpful to counter that i know there have been times in my life and i'm sure you've had them too where actually you just have to pull finger and work until you get the stuff done. Yeah. And I think absolutely we're not talking about never doing that. But one thing we have to learn is we're very good at ramping up. And we ramp up and do 10-hour days, for example. Mm. We are not good at ramping down. And we're not good at stopping and acknowledging when that time is over. And go, that hectic mayhem of a patch is done now. Yeah. In response, I can now take a couple of days. I could take a day off. And, and often in organizations, you can actually have that conversation with someone, your manager, in advance and say, hey, I'm going to pull finger for a while, yeah. but I want a day off. Or I'd like to have a couple of six-hour days or half days to recoup and then get back in, on a good track where you're working at a sustainable amount. Like those things are things we don't do. We just sort of end up ramping up and then we create this habit and then we become the people that are like, I'm working all night or I'm working all weekend and yeah. it's... It's painful. It's painful to hear from people as well because you're like, we've only got one life. Yeah. Don't do that. Let's kick into, I did a little bit of research, found some books and some interesting stuff in how successful women ramp down and actually prioritize downtime. Ooh. So the very, the first one, which comes up time and time again in power sessions and is the biggest aha moment yeah. is to schedule it. I know. Like actually schedule it. So su successful woman, for the lack of a better term, this is what the books and the clickbaity articles and all the research kind of <laughs> says. So let's just let's just take that at face well, value. Well, we define success as navigating your career on your terms. Correct. So success is that you're 
able to sustainably achieve rather than having to opt out. I love that. Now they happen to be ruthless with routine and schedules. And so they are scheduling in yoga. They're scheduling that weekend away and that day off. They're scheduling working time. Within working time, they're ruthless with meetings, where they're, what they're attending, what they just want to get high level notes on, where they're delegating. They're ruthless with recognizing when their best work is done, when their deep focus time is done. Maybe when they're a little more tired, that hour is your answering emails and admin time. And so they just get serious about their calendars. And and we love that. And the one thing I did, I should note, is uh, with scheduling it, and this goes to your point of not having a forced boundary to leave work for picking up kids. For example, your boundary is you ha- kind of naming that protection, like I am protecting my mm. well-being, so I leave at my five. walk home time yeah, or correct. my cooking time yeah. or my not getting takeaways because so, I've left work late time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first thing is that they schedule it. Well, and I love that because um, I don't want to throw power suitors under the bus, but one of the things we find really interesting about power sessions is we send out a survey a couple of days out just to get food preferences and stuff, and the number of people who don't get it back on time, that's several days, and you can just tell they're in this, and I mean, I say you can tell, my hypothesis is you're in this like last minute frantic mode and everything just gets done and you're picking it up when you just absolutely need to do it, which is such a trap we all fall into. I have no judgment there. I've been there before. But that ruthless of calendaring is such a a good response to that of get the thing, as soon as it lands in your inbox, schedule yourself 10 minutes to complete it in the next day because then you'll get it done. If you've got things that are going to take a bit longer, make sure you put them in earlier so that you've got time to do it. And that just kind of gets you, it breaks that cycle of last minute. And that stuff can make you feel even more anxious when you're just never quite get enough time to do anything. Yeah, I am not a to-do list person. I used to be where I used to write it and I'd have my checkbox, but my to-do list is my calendar. Mm. You can look at my calendar and see what's important to me and where I schedule walks with Juno and where I, sometimes I do sneak in a surf in there, um, but I will schedule all of my to-dos in my calendar. That's where I manage it. I think we both do that now and it's really worked for yeah. us. Yeah. And um, I only keep a to-do list for all the little hodgepodgey things or mindfulness like a reminder to-do list of oh remember you wanted to think about this to get out of my head yeah, like great. what are the so things important. that are kind of occurred to me that I don't want to deal with now but I just note down and then again it buys you that mental freedom yeah the second thing that successful women do is is they know what recharges them and they get away from work and so it's being really clear on where am I being recharged? Mm-hmm. Is it Netflix? Is it baking? Is it a weekend away? And all you have to do is Google women uh, yoga retreat, women surf retreat, women g- cooking retreat. Like they, they're out there. There's millions of them. If you don't want to spend money, you can on, on something like that and invest in that. You certainly can do things on the cheap as well. Movie and marathon, have, yeah, on Netflix. and have your own retreat. But it is what they're doing. And I was chatting with this uh, fabulous woman who, for, well, she has run a company for the past twenty years, and she goes on these intense health retreats and they're hilarious and she always tries new ones and the last one she actually ended up this isn't funny because she tore her Achilles tendon because uh, she was like they made us hike 
mountains. <laughs> it was just the funniest story in that normally she calls them health camps where you drink green juice and go get healthy again because she will yep. sometimes pile on the weight during that quarter yep. for various uh, reasons. Probably not great. She's but not anyway. protecting her, not getting takeaways. No, <laughs> no, she's not. But yeah, so she, we always have a bit of a laugh about the latest kind of camp, health camp that she's been on. And the last one put her into surgery, actually. So I, I, look, this wasn't a good example. You always have extreme examples. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to roll that one back to a couple of other examples. The other, and I'm going to reverse it because the other one is drinking. And I know um, going yeah. into supermarkets now, at least 50% of the booze there is non-alcoholic, which yeah. is a very, very interesting phenomenon. But I've been talking to a few people recently who've been quite stressed or going through difficult times, redundancies, breakups, and give yourself permission to spend a week where you just, or however long you need, yeah. where you're actually just going out and having maybe a few too many and having a great time and just let yourself go through that part of the process. Yeah. If you have, like you're allowed to do that. <laughs> yes. And I think when, when you're talking about getting away, the other thing that I love is a half day off work. Like I love on a weekday to just go, I'm going to go out and go to the movies or do something that just feels like everyone else is at work yeah. and I'm not at work. And the last one for me on that getting away from work is we can always think work has to be done in front of a laptop. Your thinking time doesn't have to be done in front of a laptop. It no. can be done while cooking, yeah. can be done while walking. So even within your workday, if you've got that like planning time or thinking time, Think about how you might do that that's not sitting in front of a computer and give yourself a bit of a mental break oh, as well. Walking for me, I love it. It's my yeah, biggest. Walking, uh, it used meaning... to be swimming when I was little, but now it's walking and I love it. Yeah. 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 Which comes to the third one, which is they're in the moment. So they're really mindful if they've taken that time away or scheduling time with the kids or scheduling time with friends, they're in that moment and they're mm -hmm. really, and they've honed that and they're deliberate about that. So call it mindfulness, whatever it is, but they, once they're really comfortable with their calendars, they can actually be, be really, in be in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the opposite of multitasking where 100%. you never, and, and we actually talked to, about this with a power suitor who said, She'd go and watch her children do sports, but she'd be half distracted doing other things. And she just forced herself to stop. And when, if I'm watching them do sports, I am watching them do sports. Oh, and yes. I just want to be present in that moment. It's okay to not be scrolling social media while watching TV, while texting someone, to just sit and do the thing. Yeah, yeah. Finally... And the, and the last point that I found, um, but of course there are many more, they're unapologetic about their needs and they actually look at downtime. So they've changed mm -hmm. their mindset mm -hmm. as an investment, an investment in themselves and their careers and their businesses because they know that this downtime improves their focus, creativity, effectiveness and relationships, all very key um, to being successful. These aren't luxuries, but essential I think I'm a successful woman. Yeah. I do all of these things. And this was the biggest one for me. I don't know. I actually feel like that happened to me maybe five years ago. Yeah. And I had to realize that I've proven to myself well and truly that I could work very long and very hard and go me and no one gave me an award for it. So I actually had to turn around and go, what would make my life feel more fulfilled and happy and make me better? And really this became my mantra it's like downtime is so important to uptime it yeah. really is yeah you can't be up all the time so yeah. if you start to look at life like that and go this is a productivity tool rather than a luxury tool or a guilty thing yes. a guilty pleasure yeah you start to see downtime really differently and you start to really embrace it 
So some practical steps, Nat, and some actions that everyone can take today. The first that I thought was that mindset shift, because you clearly have mastered it by recognizing the successful successful (laughs) woman. I love how you just said that. I was like, yes, you are. Uh, So so really getting to the root and getting curious of why that guilt comes up. Yeah, why do I feel it? Yes. Get really curious as to where is that coming from? Is it... I perceive other people to be doing this and winning at everything because we like to put in that front. Is it because I have been told that's what success looks like or I've seen that witness to me before? I don't know, whatever it is. Or Getting... you feel lazy. I yeah. remember years ago when we first met and you were, and I was like dating and I was like, everyone always wants to know your hobbies and I have no hobbies. And you're like, our hobbies are work and Netflix. And I was like, tick, done. <laughs> but I think it is, it's like, it is quite interesting when you feel that discomfort yeah. of oh, I don't feel like I should relax, or you go to fill empty time with another task, just pause and go, why am I doing that? And not like berate yourself, but like genuinely, why do I feel the need to fill this beautiful empty time with something that makes me feel more productive or more successful or am I trying to avoid something? What is it? What is it that you're trying to do when you are not creating that time? Yeah. No, I love that. Because once you kind of recognize this, oh, it's come from there, you can start to let it go. And Um, there is that, like, I do think there is, maybe this is a controversial opinion, but we do equate busyness with success in a way that there is some, sometimes you get the sense of like, oh my God, I'm so busy. I had to do a 12 hour day as a like shorthand for I'm very important and yeah, maybe. successful. Maybe. Whereas, and that could be another thing to challenge as well of like, did you actually need to do 12 hours a day? And a friend of mine said this a while ago that we, one of our early podcasts on time management, that she's flipped her narrative from, oh, I have to work 10 hours to what could I do to better manage my time so I don't have to work 10 hours. Mm. And, and so just re training that way of thinking about busyness and it's also a focus on outcomes because you can work for you know 80 hours a week but have delivered nothing of value or of real impact and so there is a sense of how do we get and people leaders as well to be really challenged with what are the outcomes of however many people times 40 hours a week and are we optimizing our time you know the, the best that we can um but i like also the tip of identifying your personal signs of stress Mm -hmm. and keeping tabs on that Mm -hmm. that can be you know it can be moodiness it can be headaches I tend to get stress headaches sometimes or like random heart palpitations it's actually (laughs) not a great crystal example I haven't had it for years but I do remember under extreme periods of stress it'll be like butterflies in my chest and it's not my heart it's I it's um I don't I can't remember what it's called it's your parasympathetic nervous system is on a massive overdrive. Ooh. And so for me, those are my symptoms. And I tend to go to an osteopath and they chill my sympathetic system down or I'm probably saying it all wrong, but she I know. fixed. Yeah, those are the signs where you're like, oh, wait, like yeah. you you are actually enjoying your work and your career. Why blow it up? Like, let's get this sorted. But then I'm spending money on that. Whereas I'd be much better finding those first red flags before I get to the osteopath. <laughs> I get nightmares. Nightmares are often a time where I realize I've been stressed because you know how you don't often recognize when you're stressed? Well, I don't often. 
And it's only when I wake up from a couple of nightmares because I don't normally get them that I'm like, oh, I think my brain's trying to tell yeah. me something. It's trying to percolate on Love things. Love that. Um, but the best advice I got from leadership coaching years ago is identify the things that you that make you feel really good. So yes. for me, it's like when I'm fit and when I'm eating well and when my house is clean. And then she reversed it and was like, well, make sure you always do those things. Yeah. Like those are the things that keep you feeling good. That's and great. quite often when we get stressed, that's the thing that... Um, drops off and for me cleaning is a relaxer like I love that and I love coming into a the outcome of clean it. house yes. but I don't mind like I like the quick feedback of wiping a scratch off the wall or what cleaning dishes yeah. or wiping the sink so, yeah great um that's amazing yeah I like that if, if anyone else is mowing the lawns when you see the lawn cut <laughs> oh delightful <laughs> or you you might be slightly on the spectrum just saying um but uh and the last is uh which I loved and we used this at my peer group last week was take a look at your commitments list them and drop one and we had a great example of someone saying how does everyone do it all and we said well hang on a sec what have you got going on oh well I've got a and a very senior intense full-time job I've got two children I'm coaching a sport I am involved in that committee on the sport and we just stopped her and oh, we said like you. we just said drop the committee. We just said drop the committee. Oh, but what? Not your problem. Yeah. And that was her action and she's going to go away and do it. I and it. I love that because she you could sense she was overwhelmed and asking us how we did it all. We're like we're we not <laughs> We're we not doing those it. things. And I actually yeah. love that from a perspective of putting our hands up. Because quite often we unintentionally put our hands up. And I know I did it a while ago. All of us are turning 40 over the next few months, my high school friends and I. And so there's lots of presents to organize. There's lots of parties to organize. And it's so easy to find yourself going, oh, do it. Even when you're like, I don't know when I'm going to find to do it. Type find time to do it to actually check yourself before you put your hand up because even in that one minute pause someone else might put their hand up yeah. hopefully it's not another busy stressed out woman yeah. or it it isn't your it isn't your job to solve it yeah. you can just go yeah. no not for me and that's that super uh hero super woman complex of feeling an obligation to help others and i think that is okay because you genuinely generosity and giving to others is so important but there are seasons in life i like that idea of examining your commitments I feel like because I'm a successful woman, woman, I don't have many anymore because I've gone and dropped all the ones. <laughs> I've done. I... I did the same this year, and I think I spoke a few on podcasts. Is when people ask me to do free work now, like mentoring. I'm like, nah. But I also wonder Can't. with that. Sorry, I know we're probably going over time, but that feeling in your gut again of when you're doing something that you feel slightly resentful that you're doing because you don't oh, actually want to do it. 100. Those are the things you should cut. Like if you're like. God, why am I making this lasagna? Why anyone makes lasagna at the best of times? I don't know. It takes so long. But like, why am I making this lasagna for this person? Or why am I driving this person? Whatever it is, if you feel that resentfulness, that could be a good candidate for cutting. And there are seasons, which is why there's these incredible ladies that once they're retired, do all these gorgeous things. And I do look forward to knitting and baking for others when I'm retired. I don't. I'm going to do neither of those things. <laughs> I probably won't, but I but like I'll to think I might. But I'll organize some like wine and, wine mm. and chat and yeah I'll do good. other things Great. between us we'll solve everything when we're retired <laughs> amazing good good well I hope you enjoyed that could you please hit follow on this podcast we're loving watching our followers growing also share it with a friend we know you know someone that needs to hear this podcast so go ahead and share it catch you next time bye, bye.